Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the MDDDS podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kyle Fagala, and this week we are very fortunate to have preaching minister at Highland Church of Christ, Eric Gentry, with us. Eric is a fabulous teacher, and he's going to continue our series on following the King, a look at Christian disciplines with a discussion on how to pray. I've actually been in Eric's class on this topic, and it is overwhelming in the sense that there is so much great information to be gleaned from this lesson. Uh, He has plenty of examples of how to pray and where to pray and when to pray and lots of great resources on prayer. I really think you're going to enjoy it a lot. So let's go to Eric right now with a lesson on how to pray. I think that's true. I think um, when we talk about prayer, we typically assume we're all talking about the same thing. And in reality, we have a lot of varying views on what it is based on what's worked for us or not worked for us or what our youth minister said or what we heard on Caleb or something like that. So um, I'll start with a story. I told the story yesterday in a sermon. One of my favorite stories to tell. I'll tell it in brief. And um, it's a biblical story. It comes from Daniel. It's an Old Testament book. And basically, Daniel is a, is a prophet. He's a guy that God has kind of specially set apart, but he has set him apart at a time when Israel, God's people are in exile they're far from their home some of you probably know this story and so if you do i'm sorry so they've been in exile a long time they can't go home and daniel's um ready to go home so he starts to pray and he prays and fasts actually at the same time and he does that for three weeks and nothing happens three weeks of prayer and nothing and then one day he looks up and this figure's walking towards him and it kind of looks like a man but kind of not He's got a face like lightning, and his eyes are like fire, and his arms are like bronze. And he walks towards him, and he puts his hands on Daniel's shoulder, and Daniel falls to his knees. And uh, he then begins to explain that he's a messenger of God. He's sent from God. And that he would have been there sooner, but he had been tangled up in the heavens fighting the, the prince of Greece, basically like the angel, the power of Greece. So it's this idea of principalities and powers in the world that you don't see, but that are real. He would have got here sooner, but he got tangled up fighting with him. So Michael the archangel came and tagged in so that he could come and deliver this message, and he's going to have to go back and finish this like royal rumble cage match in the heavens. And uh, But he says, you know, I've come to deliver this message to you. You and your people are going to go home. And Daniel's like, wait a second, wait a second, why'd you come? And he says, well, you prayed. And that's, that's a paraphrase. That's not the exact language there to it. But uh, it's this great, I think, metaphor to enter this time of, of the conversation about how to pray with me just like sharing with you I, I don't think that's a fairy tale i think there's something really profoundly true about that whether or not you believe in powers and angels and stuff like that which i do but what i would say is that you know i'm, I'm convinced something happens when we pray it may not feel like something happens right then it may take time but i'm pretty convinced something happens now something gonna happen in the way you think it's gonna happen i'm not sure about that but I'm pretty convinced something happens. So we're talking tonight about how to pray. This, anybody know who that guy is? It doesn't say. It probably says or it might say Thomas Merton. I can't see behind me. Yeah, that's Thomas Merton. So Thomas Merton, if, if anybody knows his story, he's got a really fascinating story. Uh, really fascinating story. I guess I'm going to I'm gonna digress too much if I get into it. But you can, like, Google Thomas Merton. It's a really interesting story. A priest... Um, fought for social justice and other things, but also a really like a spiritual man known for his things about prayer. And he's got this great line that the desire to pray is itself a form of prayer. 
I was at this uh, conference for preachers. So it was, you know, really exciting conference. And um, we were, it was a small group of guys. We were sitting with this guy who's um, maybe like the, so I'm part of Church of Christ, which is a small non-denominational group. And he's like the Thomas Merton of Churches of Christ, like a pretty prayerful guy, really well-respected. And one of the ministers said, you know, because um, the conference was about the spiritual life. He said, I preach on Sundays, and um, I really believe what I'm talking about. And I want people to um, desire God. I want them to love God with their whole hearts. But uh, the thing is, like, I don't really desire God that much. But I want to. Uh, but prayer is really hard for me, and uh, I can't really get into the spiritual life, but I really want to. And Randy said something I'll never forget. He said, the desire to desire God is enough. The desire to desire God is enough. And the point he was making is not that that's the place you want to be your whole life, desiring to desire God, but God can work with that, the desire to desire God. And I think that's what Thomas Merton is saying here. So if for you prayer is, is difficult to to enter into, difficult for you to do, and we're going to describe what prayer might look like in a second, but if kind of the classic ways you've thought about prayer don't seem to work, but you have this place inside you where you're like, where you're thinking, I would love if it did work. And if I did want to spend that time with God, whatever that looks like, then that's enough. God can use that. Or if you're not thinking that, I, I, I think it's worth like beginning to think about desiring to desire to desire God. You know, like, I'd, I'd push that on you. But the desire to desire God's enough. It's a good place to start. And then let me remind you of this, too. Um, it's a little harder to see when it's right you behind me. No, I'm, no, I'm, I think, no, this is okay. I think we're okay. Tell me if I'm talking about something that's not on the screen behind me. All right. Uh, this is in Romans 8, and this is the kind of the last caveat I'd, I'd add to our lesson as we jump in. For those who are sitting here in this room tonight who would say, it's hard for me to pray, and I would be one of those. Okay. So this is a, a great word from Paul about prayer, and he says this. In the same way the Spirit, so he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and we have a long conversation about the difference between somebody who's a Christian and somebody who's a non-Christian as it relates to the Spirit leaving it in. That's a conversation we could have sometime. You've probably had it here before. Well, let me assume you've all got the Spirit. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, which is a really cool phrase in Greek, which we won't get into. But he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And um, this is, in some ways, this is like, if there's a perk to being a Christian, this is it. That you're not on your own. And whereas the rest of the world may struggle at times to believe there's a God out there who would, who would hear them, at least the, the promise, the biblical promise is to you, um, whether or not you believe he hears you, the Spirit is speaking to him for you. So the Spirit's going to help you pray. That's the biblical promise. All right, so if I was going to ask you all the question of um, what is prayer, wh how would you answer that? Discussion, open, open discussion. So those were the caveats. So those kind of to your classical formulations of prayer, you've thought about as I've thought of, and probably many of the same ones as you have. What is prayer? How would you define it? Communication between you and God. Okay, I like that. So communication between you and God. 
What else? Would somebody add on to that? Would you? Uh, yeah, ongoing open dialogue. God, I like that. What else would you say? What does God say to you? That's tough. Does he sound like Sean Connery or Morgan Freeman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we were thinking about that yesterday at church. I do think God talks back. I think you're right. We might explore that a little tonight. I think you're right. What else what would you say? Is God talking back part of prayer? What do you think? Feel like I mean, he you definitely talks back, I think. But that's not part of prayer. I mean, maybe it only happens during prayer. Maybe it happens when you meditate his words. Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. Uh, maybe we'll come back to that if we have time. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. That's a good question. So, but base, uh, let me flesh out what you're saying a little bit more there. Uh, you're saying primarily prayer is when, when you're, it's your part of the dialogue. Is that what you're saying? I think so, yeah. Okay. I think it's definitely how we, we think of it. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm being honest, like growing up in church my whole life, going to Christian school, I think a prayer is like an action, like a corporate action mm-hmm. or a private action. Mm-hmm. And I, and I don't think, as I've edited these notes, and as you talked about at church the last few weeks, I think it's less and less that, and I think mm. it's maybe we've narrowed it too much. Mm. You know, mm. I'm not saying you've done that. No, oh, yeah. just that yeah. way. I think. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like I'm not sure if it's right, but like that's what I think about. Yeah. My kids yep. would say it's what we do before dinner. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, or before bed. My friend, my kids are my friends. My kids are. Uh, they're in a competition right now, like to see whose prayer is best at night, and which is based on whose is longest. So they're they're praying for like the blinds on the windows. You know, they're like thanking God for the blinds, just anything they can think of. So it's, I don't know what to do with that to discourage their prayer. <laughs> Man, this is going on a little longer. Uh, all right, all right. So let's think about that. Um, this is the Lord's Prayer behind me. So this is how Jesus teaches us to pray. And, and I, I should go back to the beginning there and point out, as Jesus' disciples ask him, Lord, teach us to pray, which is, which is, it's worth pointing out that of all the things they could have asked him, and they do ask him some other things, but they wanted to know how to pray. Like they were convinced, you're supposed to do this, and we want it to work when we do it. You probably know how to do it and make it work. Teach us, right? All right. So this is how he says to pray. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Right. So if you were going to look at that, what would you say? What, would you, what do you learn about prayer from that prayer? About, so if this is how Jesus says to pray, what is what does this say about prayer? What prayer is? I mean, it says us, not just like me. So it's corporate, right? Yep. Yeah. 
I forget y'all have the notes in front of you. See? Yeah. Adoration. Yep. Worship. Maybe like submission to, right? Like your kingdom come, your will. Yeah. Not mine. Yeah. Yep. It's, um, I'll throw these up here then. I think maybe you're looking at these already on your sheet. So a couple of things there, and I want to come back to, was it, is it Will? Milo. Milo. Okay. I got Will over here. Uh, so yeah, a couple things about this prayer you'll notice. First of all, it's it's personal and intimate. So you're starting with this idea of our Father. So if that's an intimate term, so personal and intimate. But also our, that language, is corporate. So one of the things about this prayer is that when you say this prayer, you're saying it along with the rest of the body of Christ worldwide that has said it for thousands of years. So that's um, like point one. It's, it's both personal and intimate, but it's also corporate prayers. And prayers about adoration and requests. So you're making requests in this prayer. Jesus is, is like giving you permission to make requests in this prayer. And he does that elsewhere. Ask and will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. But prayer is ultimately about surrender. To your point, it's about submission. Um, I get to do this Bible study on Wednesday mornings at Shelby County Correction Center. Maybe, maybe Some of y'all may get to go do medical stuff out there. I know they bring in students sometimes. Um, and we, we, we study the Sermon on the Mount. This is from the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says this. And this is always one of the hardest conversations because those guys um, in jail are forced into submission all the time. And so any small elements of their own life that they can retain control over, they want to. You know, whether that's like their chips, you know, like their Doritos or something, like not sharing those Doritos and stuff like that, because anything they can retain control over in a world where they're constantly forced into submission, they want to. So this prayer is really hard for them because it, it is calling them to, to let it all go. You know, your will be done, not mine. It's really hard for them. I think like those of us who are free and in medical school or dental school, dental school think like it wouldn't be as hard for me, but it's probably just as hard. So we're trying to hold on to stuff. Um, I got this great story. Uh, we'll come back to that. So prayer is about surrender. I think that's true. One of the best metaphors I've heard about prayer is another parenting metaphor. And uh, it's a preacher friend of mine tells this story. He's got this 16-year-old son. And uh, so, you know, his son's 16, so he's, he's, he's awkward. He's, like, growing into manhood. But he's also still a boy and still needs his dad and stuff. And he says, so sometimes when they're driving, he'll, um, he'll reach over and grab his son's hand. And he's like, it's super awkward for him. You know, he doesn't want to do it, but I love it. I love it a lot. And I'm going to do it as long as I can. And I think there's something to that with, with prayer that, that is kind of like a cheesy metaphor. And I don't know, like holding my dad's hand at 16, you know, I could see that being weird. But I think that's probably where some of us are coming from when it comes to prayer, that that effort to like reach out our hand towards God just feels weird. And we like try it for a couple minutes and we think, this is just not really working. And so we're just like, okay, I'm going to study or I'm going to go run or whatever. And um, whereas the whole time, God's just like, this is the greatest thing ever. This is so great. You know, we're holding hands. This is amazing. I don't want this to stop. And uh, I like that metaphor. I'll offer that to you. Uh, so how's your prayer going? 
Anybody willing to share that? What happens at MDDDDDS stays at MDDDS? <laughs> Was that the right amount of Ds? Uh, there's another D. There was an extra, sorry. <laughs> Anybody willing to share, like, how's your prayer life going? What, what's working for you? What's not working for you when it comes to prayer? What's a struggle? It's a good question. What do you think? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How's your one time or ongoing prayer? Um, it's alright. I think I pray more when I'm in need than I do when I don't feel like I'm in need. And I should pray more when I don't think I'm in Okay. Yep. What's like, anybody willing to share, like, what's really working for you when it comes to prayer? You're like, I do this. And um, it's really good for my soul. Be willing to share that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, you journal yours. Yeah. That tradition's super old, writing prayers. You know, obvious examples of the Psalms. The Old Testament are prayers, written down prayers. But it predates the Psalms. We've got older prayers in the Bible, and I'll show you some of those in a minute. But that's, that's a really old tradition, so writing your prayers out is good. That helps me when I'm distracted to write prayers out. Helps you to go back and be able to look at them and see what you were praying for, see if God answered that prayer. Those are good things to do. Anybody else like something that's really working for you? I've jumped into a lot of like old liturgical prayer. Yeah. Like, you know, those old, like, uh, like either the Jesus prayer or there was one that I think I pulled from, I think it was from the Episcopals. Uh, the Book of Common Prayer, maybe? It was just so cool. It was like, come Holy Spirit, that's all the hearts of your faithful and kindle them in the fire of your love. Yeah. Yeah. And I love those. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Those don't count, but that's good. No, those do count. Yeah, those are great. Those are great. Yeah, we're gonna we're we're gonna talk about this. I'm gonna give you some. Research. They're like all yeah, in yeah, they're all in here. Yeah, those are good. But I, I absolutely think those count. I'll do the same thing. Uh, yeah, those are great. The Book of Common Prayer, uh, maybe what you're talking about. It's a the Book of Prayers, largely organized by the Episcopal Church, but some other groups as well, which I'd recommend. The Book of Common Prayer. It's organized by like daily prayers and stuff like that, and. Uh, seasonal prayers or like prayers for special occasions like birth of a baby or something like that graduation stuff like that all right well let me let me read this to you first and uh and then as we're jumping into how to actually pray i'm going to give you some examples and talk just like brass tacks we're just going to go through details of prayer it'll be pretty plain but i'll read this to you first uh somebody tell me when to click it scripture tells us that the same god is present from Genesis through Revelation, though people worship that one God in many ways. Abraham had a religious bent, building altars everywhere he went. Moses and Elijah revealed an activist streak in their various confrontations with forces of evil and in their conversations with God. Do I need to click it? David celebrated God with an enthusiastic style, style of worship, while his son Solomon expressed his love for God by offering generous sacrifices. Ezekiel and John 
described loud and colorful images of God, stunning and sensuous brilliance. Mordecai demonstrated his love for God by caring for others, beginning with the orphaned Esther. Mary of Bethany is the classic contemplative sitting at Jesus' feet. These and other biblical figures of the Old and New Testaments confirm to me that within the Christian faith there are many different and acceptable ways of demonstrating our love for God. So again, like uh, what you were doing counts. <laughs> our temptations will cause us to be more comfortable, in, or our temperament, sorry, will cause us to be more comfortable in some of these expressions than others, and that's perfectly acceptable to God. In fact, by worshiping God according to the way He's made us, we're affirming His work as a Creator. That's from Gary Thomas, Sacred Pathways. Really good book if you want to read one. All right, so when should you pray? First question. Early? Um, I'm sure y'all are all like familiar with getting up early in this group, and you're going to be doing it for the rest of your lives, probably. Um, so you, know, you want to know the single most important, um, what would I call it, uh, tool? or practice for the benefit? Let me start over. The best thing I've done for my prayer life, do you wanna know what it is? Anybody have a guess? Become a coffee drinker. Become a coffee drinker, that's it. I didn't drink coffee for a long time and I still have to put a lot of cream in it. <laughs> I'm not man enough to do straight black, but uh, to get up early in the morning and I, uh, so I have, we have a Keurig and like I wake up thinking about now, which is how you know you're addicted, right? Like you want to get out of bed to go get your coffee, which is that, that's a bad step. So that's, uh, that's been the best thing for my spiritual life though, because uh, especially as my family has taken shape, that's like the, the place I can carve out for myself is early before everybody gets up. So I don't know if you're living by yourself, you're living with roommates, you're married or whatever. Uh, pretty much for most people early is always going to be there because you can always get earlier like it's all you know it's always going to be there and so it's a biblical idea jesus gets up early very early in the morning while it was still dark jesus got up he left the house and he went off to a solitary place place where he prayed psalm 119 164 seven times i pray to you so um that's the second second answer to that when should i pray often <laughs> so early and often i'll give you this this is gonna be really simple y'all i'm not gonna blow your hair back or anything uh this is from first uh, thessalonians five seventeen. rejoice always pray continually give thanks in all circumstances for this is god's will for you in christ jesus has anybody read the book the way of the pilgrim is anybody familiar with that book the way of the pilgrim is about this uh it's it's a eastern book written in russia and uh we don't know exactly who wrote it but it's written in probably the late 1800s and it's about this guy he's a peasant and he's at a monastery and he hears a sermon, a homily on this passage, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, rejoice always, pray continually. And he then goes on this um, quest to figure out what it means to pray continually. And everybody he asks, all these holy men say, I don't know, I don't know what that means. And uh, finally he finds somebody who recommends to him the Jesus prayer, and we're gonna come to that in a second. You are talking about a second ago. But uh, that's, that's a, I do think, as, you're, as somebody mentioned the dialogue with God, I like that, the idea that it's ongoing, that it's not stopped. And so that, that may push a little bit against what you're saying, that like prayer is, is what happens in this solitary moment when it, you know, it seems like at least Paul here is talking about this, other, this idea that this is, this is something that doesn't stop. So it's probably not possible that you are talking all the time. That other space could still potentially be prayer. 
is what we're gonna what we're gonna allow or assume. This guy's guy named Brother Lawrence. He's super awesome. He's got this great little book called Practicing the Presence of God. Does he look like a really holy guy? He, you know, you know what he did for a living? He, he washed dishes at a monastery for the actual holy guys. So he was a brother. He wasn't a, a monk. He's just a brother. He's a lay person who works for them. And uh, he just washed dishes in the company of all these holy men. And you know, it's, it's ironic that probably most of the holy men he washed dishes for, we don't remember, but we remember Brother Lawrence who washed the dishes. And the reason we remember him is because he cultivated this, this idea he called practicing the presence of God. And so we would put this in the category of prayer. And now, so, you, you know, we, we are departing at this moment from maybe the classic idea that you and I grew up with that to have a relationship with God was to have quiet time every day. And what quiet time looked like was a certain amount of minutes in prayer, time reading your Bible, and perhaps you bought like a commentary, like a, a teen study Bible or a commentary, and you, and you like force yourself to read that to appreciate some section of scripture. And if you've ever read a commentary, they're awful. You know, commentaries are not enjoyable to read. And so you're like a teenager and you're trying to read this commentary with Greek words in it and stuff. And you're like, if this is what the spiritual life looks like, shoot me now, right? This is the worst. Okay, so we're departing from that. Brother Lawrence is, is while he's practicing dishes, while he's practicing, while he's washing dishes, he's doing what he called practicing the presence of God. He said this, think often on God by day, by night, in your business, and even in your diversions. He, was always, he is always near you and with you. Leave him not alone. So part, part of prayer is like a theological question. Do I believe God is here? Or do I believe God is only in certain spaces or times or places? And if I truly believe that he's everywhere, that he's inhabiting all things, he's all around me at all times, then that does um, allow for what Paul's talking about, this idea of praying continually, is only possible if you think God is within earshot all times. So it's something to process through. And you probably like, you would say like, yeah, like God's everywhere, but... Most of us don't live that way. The assumption that he's just, he's just always there, ready to be in conversation with you. So what Brother Lawrence did was what we call breath prayer. And so now we're, just, we're, we're getting super practical here. And if you're, if you're wanting to know what you should pray, you can pray these prayers. It's called breath prayer. These do count. And um, the way these work is that, as the name suggests, breath prayer, the idea is that you say these prayers in, in pattern with your breath as you breathe in and out, and that you say them repetitively. In that book, The Way of the Pilgrim, he finally finds this holy man that turns him onto the Jesus prayer, which I think is the first prayer you have there, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Is that the second one, first one? Oh, so do I need to go back? Sorry. Yeah, there you go. Thanks. Help me out, y'all, if I need it. Uh, this, so this holy man recommends to him the, the breath prayer, and he, he gives him a prayer rope, which is something I, I wanted to bring one of those tonight and I forgot, uh, or a rosary. Uh, so a rosary would be the Catholic version of prayer ropes, typically in the Eastern Orthodox Church. But a, 
a prayer rope or really a rosary too. They're basically just a string with knots in it or beads. And what you do is you, they're, they're people for people who are tactile, who want to feel stuff, they're really good. So what you do is as you say the Jesus prayer, you move the knots along or the beads along. And so eventually you get to maybe a different pattern knot or a different bead in it. And you do like the Lord's prayer there, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So he, this guy gives him, in the way of the pilgrim, a, a prayer rope, and he says, like, pray the Jesus prayer 10,000 times in a day, and, the, and then you'll, you'll be praying continually, which sounds, un, you know, unrealistic. So he starts. He tries. He tries. And he doesn't get to 10,000 before he, like, falls asleep and his tongue's worn out and stuff. But eventually he says the Jesus prayer so much that it becomes part of him. And what he describes is the way that even, you know, he, he moves from saying it verbally to silently in his mind. And then eventually he's not actually forming the sounds in his mind that when he wakes up in the morning, the first thing on his mind is Jesus. When he goes to sleep thinking about Lord Jesus Christ have mercy on me. And the way this works is you, you breathe in. I like to, to breathe in Jesus. So I, I can't do it and say it at the same time. But as I'm breathing in, I'm thinking Lord Jesus Christ. As I'm breathing out, have mercy on me. It's like a purification. Like I'm breathing in Jesus. I'm breathing out what I want you know him to have mercy on like to get rid of for me lord jesus christ have mercy on me lord jesus christ have mercy on me what i'd suggest to you is if you got serious about this prayer it would change every interaction you have throughout your day um like imagine how many times you're annoyed with people and if you were praying in the moment you were annoyed lord jesus christ have mercy on me i bet you would not be annoyed right like because it would it would it, it turns the lens onto you and so prayers is less here about what you want God to do and more about recognizing who you are before God as somebody in need of God's mercy. Here are other uh, breath prayers that you could do. My soul glorifies the Lord. My soul finds rest in God alone. Shepherd, lead me by still waters. Come, Holy Spirit, come. These are just classic. Some of those are biblical. Some are just classically formed in the Christian tradition. Stop me at any point. Does anybody have questions about breath prayer? Are there any people that grew up in churches where that was like a part of? Yeah, I'd be interested in that. Because it was uh, like the first time I ever heard about any of that was like literally a year ago, <clears> like you telling me about it. Or, you know, I feel like this came up when we were growing up. It was it was like pretty. Like I feel like my parents probably did that. Mm. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's helped my parenting, you know, for those of you who are going to have kids at some point. You know, my kids are always awesome, but on the rare moments, they're not. You know, this prayer helps a lot. Uh, change your interactions with your spouse. Uh, so I, I'd highly recommend this. this. This is the central piece of my own prayer life, the Jesus prayer. For what it's worth. That may be a turnoff for you. All right. Uh, this is called examine. And that's your blame. Examine. It's like exam, which you're familiar with. E-N. Examine or examine. Anybody know who that guy is? It's probably in your notes. Does it say up there? Ignatius. Oh, is it Ignatius? Crazy. Uh, Ignatius founded what group? Anybody know? Jesuits. Jesuits, yeah. Um, Ignatius founded the Jesuits. 
which are uh, like they're like the Navy SEALs of Catholic priests, <laughs> and uh, they go all over. Um, they go all over the world sharing the gospel, and um, they're super cool for the most part. Although some of them have like personality quirks like normal people too. But, um, they're just like you. Man. Yeah, I was. I, we go to this at this prayer thing I go to with these preachers. We ha- it's hosted at a Catholic retreat center that's run by Jesuits, and um, they're super holy. And one of the guys he's teaching us about Ignatian prayer, which we might end with if we got time. And, um, he's like he's in his full garments and stuff, and you know looks the part. And like ten minutes later, it's on this lake in mm-hmm. Dallas. Ten minutes later, he ends. He goes and he gets a paddleboard, and we look out, and he's shirtless. And he's like fat and hairy, and he's out on this paddleboard. This Jesuit priest—they're just awesome. They're, you know, like. So I assume he's just out there praying the whole time. But um, Ignatius came up with this practice. This was mandatory for all Jesuits, and actually still is. It's called examine, and they do it two times a day. They do it at noon, and they do it before they go to bed. I like to do it before I go to bed, and um, the reason is that it's like a recap of your day. And so it's like a prayerful summary of your day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay attention to my day for God's sake. I'm going I'm to pay attention to my day for God's sake, trusting that God was at work in my day. And so the way you do that is you ask yourself kind of opposing questions. And so this is typically my last slide as I'm falling asleep at night. For what today am I most grateful? For what today am I least grateful? When did I give and receive the most love today? When did I give or receive the least love today? When today did, today did I have the deepest sense of connection with God? When today did I have the least sense of connection with God? When was I living out the fruit of the Spirit? When was I not living out the fruit of the Spirit today? Where did I see God today? Where did I struggle to see God today? So Jesus talks about in uh, Matthew 23. Jesus talks about um, the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are religious people in Jesus' time, and um, they're also typically his uh, kind of the thorn in his flesh. And he's talking to these Pharisees, and he lists the kind of host of problems that they have, all these things that they're doing wrong. And then he, but he, he kind of describes all these things. And so, uh, like, you know, I, I guess we've got doctors here. So this would be like... You know, you just list, listing off the symptoms, and you're like writing down all the symptoms he's got, like on those cards or whatever. You know, like your rib meat hurts, right, or whatever. And so, um, but then comes this moment where the doctor takes out of their shirt or their white jacket, right, this this white pad that they write prescriptions on. Does that still happen? I mean, you just do it all digitally now. But um, you know, and they and they do a prescription. And in Matthew 23, there's only one prescription for these Pharisees that have all these problems. So they've got all these problems in their lives. They're hypocrites. They're doing all these things wrong. And the one prescription, he says, is that you need to clean the inside of your cup. That the outside is clean, but the inside's dirty. Uh, The story I tell about this that they've heard before is um, I've got this bad habit with my kids of when they were, well, when when they drank bottles of milk, that I would... um, not always immediately wash the partially finished bottles and i would just like let them lie in the sink for a couple days and then i would unscrew them all at once and wash them because then you don't deal with the smell one time because they are like rotten milk and um and so one night my wife tells me to put the boys down or to get a bottle from one of the boys she's putting down and so i go in there and i pour a fresh bottle and i put it in the microwave because he likes it you know warm and I put it in there for 40 seconds, and, and then I 
you know, uh, carry the bottle in there and I, I give it to him and he doesn't like it. And so I go back and I'm thinking like, you know, is the microwave not working? What happened? And so I, I heat it up again. And this time I take it back to him and he likes it. And um, only we go back into the kitchen and we find this warm bottle of milk. And it turns out that the microwave is right by the sink. And I had heated up the right bottle. I had set it down, turned my back, grabbed an old bottle, took it back there. He didn't like it. So I heated up that old bottle until he liked it. So he didn't like it at like 1 a.m. when he was barfing all over, right? Okay, so it didn't. And the, um, so the metaphor there is like, well, the lesson there is Eric's not the best dad. And secondly, <laughs> secondly, to what Jesus is saying here is like, you can wash the outside of a bottle all you want, but if what's inside is no good, then that's going to lead to a lot of problems in your life. And I think the takeaway there as it relates to prayer is that if, if you're going to describe what prayer is, what you might say is prayer is God showing me what's inside my cup so that it can be cleaned. And so that's what examine is. You're going you're gonna to stop and you're going to pay attention to your day for God's sake so that he can do what he wants on your inside. So you just answer those questions. It's not like profound. You, you know, what today am I most grateful? Well, my kid slept four hours, and that was awesome. You know. Or you may say, like, I've been praying about this for years, and you seem to answer it today, God. I praise you for that. So it may be really profound. <clears throat> All right, I gotta move on. Where to pray? Uh, Richard Foster has this great book, Celebration of Disciplines. Anybody read that book? You should. I highly recommend it. Life-changing for me. And he talks about habit and routine when it comes to prayer. So as I, I talked about uh, coffee in the morning for me. So like I get my coffee. I sit in the same place on the sofa where I have the Bible where I put it the night before. So it's like it all works. I don't have to prep a lot beforehand. So that's part of it. Richard Foster had a candle that he lit every time he prayed. And that the candle was a signal to his family. This is my prayer candle. So dad's praying right now or husband's praying right now. Wife's praying right now. Um, and it also was kind of like uh, got him in the mood, basically, because it's a candle and it's a flame. And we had talked about the spiritual, uh, like the fire. We talked about that some more. Uh, <clears throat> so it's good to have the same place to go, same routine that helps when it comes to prayer. A lot of people talk about prayer walking. So if you're a person that sitting still naturally leads you to distraction, you might consider walking. Uh, I like to ride my bike in the morning and. I, uh, on, I like to ride on the trails, mountain bike, and it's hard to pray when you're on the trails, but there's a long stretch of green line, like 20 minutes of green line before that. So I pray the Jesus prayer on the green line. I do the trails. I pray the Jesus prayer on the green line on the way because I'm just sitting, you know, turning my legs, and so it's natural, and I'm breathing, so it makes sense. So you might think about that. The blank is quiet place. Sorry. Oh, sorry, quiet place. <clears throat> what do you do with your hands? We're getting so technical here. Um, so Richard uh, Richard Foster talks about this, and I'll, I'll what I, what okay. So if you're gonna sit, if you're not prayer riding or prayer walking, you want to get comfortable. That's what they all say. You can't get on your knees. Um, about you would want something comfortable under your knees. Typically, it can lead to knee problems if you don't. And um, we, I, I was okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that story for another time. I'm gonna digress. 
<clears throat> what they say is get comfortable, sit up straight, good posture where you're not gonna feel pain. And what Richard Foster does, I think it's a good idea, is he starts with palms down. And the idea here is, God, I'm gonna surrender everything that's going on in my life to you. Go back to surrender submission. I'm gonna turn over to you. And when I identify all those things in my mind, I'm ready to turn my hands over. And this means I'm gonna receive from you in prayer. So this is when we're moving from the, you know, like me talking to you, God, I'm gonna listen now. I'm gonna receive from you. So. You can try the palms down, palms up thing if you want. Uh, it may work for you, it may not. What to pray? The Lord's Prayer. It's in Matthew 6, the one we started with. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. If you don't know what to pray, pray that. Jesus said it works. So pray it. The Jesus Prayer. This is a really old prayer. It's um, maybe the oldest outside of the, of the Lord's Prayer that we have. Um, it's simple, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. There's a longer version, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I find that's too much for me to say in one breath. Uh, but if you're, you know, long-winded, you can do that. <laughs> great prayers from the Bible to memorize. So here's some great prayers. I think you have these in your notes, right? Yeah. Uh, Hannah's prayer, David's prayer, Jonah's prayer, David's prayer again, Daniel's prayer of confession, Mary's song. Got some great prayers from women in there. So, um, you know, some of you may resonate with those more than others. It's called the Prayer of Quiet Trust. It's in Psalm 131. <clears throat> when I'm struggling to pray, this often starts my prayer time. This is the message version, Eugene Peterson's. God, I'm not trying to rule the roost. I don't want to be king of the mountain. I haven't meddled where I have no business or fantasized grandiose plans. I've kept my feet on the ground. I've cultivated a quiet heart like a baby content in its mother's arms. My soul is a baby content. Wait, Israel, for God. Wait with hope. Hope now. Hope always. Uh, that prayer is also really good if you're dealing with anxiety. It's a really good one. It's called the prayer for indifference. Um... <clears throat> it's, it's biblical. It's from Luke 1. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. This can be a breath prayer as well. It's a really great prayer. Uh, some of you have heard of the serenity prayer before. It's a prayer in addiction circles, which is an awesome prayer. Uh, the gist of it is, anybody know it by heart? Basically know what I can change and know what I can't and the wisdom to know the difference is the idea. That's uh, basically this prayer. Indifference is a good thing in this. Like, uh, spiritually, indifference is a good thing. When we talk about indifference, like if you read spiritual masters and stuff, they talk about indifference a lot. And indifference for us is typically a bad word. Like, you know, like, well, where do you want to go for dinner? I'm indifferent. Well, that doesn't help. You know, um... None of y'all have ever had that conversation with anybody, right? Uh, indifference in spiritual terms means whatever God wills, I'm okay with it. Hear, hear my servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Whatever you want to happen is cool. I'm along for the ride. So it's a, spiritual indifference is not a, a bad word. This guy's Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Oh, there he is right there. Y'all probably heard Dietrich Bonhoeffer's story, everybody? Anybody not? Uh, 
So he was a uh, German during the uh, rise of the Third Reich Nazi Party, and he was a pastor, and he was one of the few that resisted. Most of the German pastors were basically co-opted by the Nazis. He resisted. He was a pacifist, but he ended up joining a plot to kill Hitler. One of the last things he wrote, the reason he got in trouble, well, the reason he originally got in trouble before he then tried to kill Hitler was that he wrote a book on praying the Psalms, which why would that have gotten him in trouble? Because yeah, the Psalms are Jewish. And so he was recommending that Christians pray the Psalms. And so he got in trouble for that. What I would say is Jesus prays the Psalms. You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's from the Psalms. Um, so I think if like Jesus did it, it's probably safe. He says, Bonhoeffer says this, if we want, tell me when to advance it. If we want to pray the prayers of the Bible, and especially the Psalms, we must not ask first what they have to do with us, but what they have to do with Jesus Christ. We must ask how we can understand the Psalms as God's word, and then we shall be able to pray them. It does not depend, therefore, on whether the Psalms express adequately that which we feel at any given moment in our heart. If we are to pray aright, perhaps it is quite necessary that we pray contrary to our own heart. Not what we want to pray is important, but what God wants us to pray. Do I need to advance it? Yeah, I, was to I appreciate that. If we were dependent entirely on ourselves, we would probably pray only the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, that God wants it otherwise. The richness of the Word of God ought to determine our prayer, not the poverty of our own heart. That's a really powerful idea. Basically, he's saying, like, there's been a whole bunch of people that were more spiritual than you. So why are you going to rely on your own words to talk to God when there's, like, all these other words available to you? You know, like, sure, you can use your own, but, man, there's some better ones. <laughs> and um, so I don't think that, you know, that's an encouragement not to pray your own words. But I would say many of us are not really struggling with that. We're just like, prayer just doesn't work for me. I can't get into it. I just sit there. I'm distracted so easily. And what I would say is if that's you, uh, try to just read the Psalms. It's your prayer. Get up every day and read another one. You can do it twice through in a year. There's 150 Psalms. You can do it twice with some extras in a year. So that's really fun to do. And the reason you do that too is that um, all the prayers aren't always going to feel like they apply to you. I think you'll find they often do more so than not. But what Bonhoeffer challenges you to think about is how do these prayers apply to Jesus? And a lot of them about being afflicted and persecuted and stuff. You, you connect with Jesus in praying those psalms. Uh... Oh, should I pray in Jesus' name? Yeah, I think. Um, I, I, I got weirded out for a while, I think because I thought it was like childish to end my prayer in Jesus' name. And um, I got called out by an elder at our church. He was in his 80s, and, he was, and I was praying corporate prayers as like the preacher, and he said, Eric, you're not doing that right. <laughs> I was like, uh, excuse me. I don't know if you know, but uh, um, no, but uh, he said, you know, I really wish you would pray in Jesus' name. And I thought a lot about that. And I think that's, I think that's what we should do. I don't, th I, don't, I don't think there's anything like cheesy about that. I think that um, the biblical witness is pretty powerful in its testimony to how significant the name of Jesus is. There's power in that. So I'd recommend it. You, of course, don't have to. 
the blank above was centering prayer. Oh yeah, sorry. I'm gonna center you on that point. Yeah. Uh, did I have a slide on that? No. I don't think so. Okay. No. Not all prayers need to be wordy. What you can do is try centering prayer. Centering prayer is just one word. Uh, it's based on the idea, Acts 17:28, that in Him we live and move and have our being. So always, I am always in and with God. And so I just want to dwell with God. So I'm just going to say words like Jesus, Father, love, uh, Spirit. I just keep saying those words. I'm, I'm going to try to call God who is present to my mind. I'm going to call attention to him. Okay. I'm not going to finish everything. I want to respect y'all's time. Um, Let me let me give y'all some uh, helpful tools here. Do I, is there any blanks about intercessory prayer there? There's no blanks, just a bunch of verses. I mean, kind of <clears> this <throat> is like just a resource. Okay. It's so like I want y'all to have this if you need something. Yeah. And I'm always glad for you to contact me too if you want to get a hold of me. I'm easily you can ask my contact info. Or I'll give it to you. Whatever. Uh, I, th I do think you should pray for others. I won't I won't get into that right now for time's sake. But there's some passages about that in there. If you wanted some good books on prayer, here's some good ones. I think you have them in front of you. You might check those out. How do you deal with distractions when you're praying? Let me give you a metaphor, and if it works for you, great. Uh, if not, you can come up with your own. <laughs> I got to take this uh, canoe trip on the Mississippi River with Kyle a while back. It was really awesome. And um, we stayed on these sandbars on the river pretty great and the Mississippi is full of traffic there's barges going up and down the Mississippi all the time and um, so this is the metaphor I use for prayer this is adapted from somebody who taught this to me that when I'm praying I imagine myself on one of those sandbars with this river flowing by me and barges come down the river and they're like distractions so I'm thinking about like um, my to-do list for the day or my kids bottom that needs to be wiped or you know like whatever the thing is and these things pop into my mind pop into my mind and I don't get mad about them because if I get mad about them I'm further distracted like I like you, you could argue Satan is winning in that moment that you're getting mad about it and so what I do is I, I acknowledge those things and I let them drift by I said hey and I let it go by some people write down those things as they're praying and so because they feel like uh, it's like often something that needs attention if they can write it down they end their prayer with a to-do list and they don't have to keep it they don't have to like anchor it there beside them so I just imagine I'm on a sandbar in the middle of the Mississippi and as those things come to mind I like see him and I say see ya and I'm like, I wish you weren't here I'm gonna let you go alright this is the metaphor that works for me um oh we're not gonna get into that okay I'll end with this let me just briefly get into this not deeply there's a great book. I think it's one of the books I recommended uh, by Mark Thibodeau called God's Voice Within. And you all, interestingly enough, are in a season of life in which in a few years you'll be making major decisions. And you're probably wondering how do you best make those decisions? And there's going to be a lot of factors in those decisions. Family, income job quality those kind of things and probably somewhere in there i hope you're wondering like like what decision most honors god 
And uh, Mark Thibodeau in that book, God's Voice Within, gives a way to discern that. So prayer as discernment. How do you discern if God's leading you in a certain direction? And he, he gives these two ideas, two competing spirits, a spirit of desolation and consolation. And these are the markers of the spirits of desolation and consolation. If, if the decision produces in you desolation, and those are some of the markers of it, it's probably not of God. If it produces consolation, it might be. What I would encourage you to do is to read that book. I just want to whet your appetite right there. Because we often talk about like making decisions that God would be happy with or something like, I'm going to honor God with this decision, but we really don't have good categories to think that through. I think he offers a really good one. This is, I mean, that's, that's like rich Catholic old stuff right there, Consolation and Desolation. He just flushes it out in that book really well. All right, I'll end with this prayer for, or this uh, poem by Wendell Berry. Anybody read Wendell Berry ever? He's Everybody awesome. Yeah, yeah, she's, no, but like, I really do have like framed Wendell Berry quotes. He's, he's amazing. Wow. Actually, my favorite prayer quote is from Wendell Berry, but it's not. Yeah? You want to share it? <laughs> I can't remember how it starts, like word by word, but it ends with like work done quietly and well is prayer. Mm. The first part of it is about giving thanks, and then it ends with work done quietly and well is prayer. And I think about that. Yeah, that's great. He's got this poem, when Where Breathing is Prayer, and... What I would say is that ultimately, like this, the spiritual heroes, the spiritual masters kind of talk about prayers heading in a direction from worded prayer, wordy prayer, to wordless prayer. We're like the guy in the way of the pilgrim who begins with the Jesus prayer eventually is not saying anything. He's just with Jesus. And that's become his breathing. And that's what this poem is trying to capture contemplation we often talk about that as the same thing as prayer it's a little bit different and i think it's captured in this poem sit and be still until in the time of no rain you hear beneath the dry winds commotion in the trees the sound of flowing water among the rocks a stream unheard before and you are where breathing is prayer and um the idea here is that like god is around and and maybe prayer is not so much getting God to pay attention to you, but paying attention to God. And when you can get to that point where nothing else is distracting you, you've arrived. Okay, any questions? All right, so thank you to Eric for a, really an excellent job. He even had more that he couldn't get through. So this is, a man, just a ton of stuff here. On prayer and I think if you're anything like me a really different way of approaching prayer and thinking about prayer and it just seems like a whole new world is opened up uh, when you when you think about prayer and so I, I think as I grew up in the church my idea of prayer was sort of like one or two different things and I think tonight I heard you know 15 to 20 different ways to think about prayer which I think is really uh, an awesome thing so thanks to Eric taking time away from his family tonight to come and teach with us and, uh, man, great job. Uh, we'll be back next week with a discussion on how to share the gospel and also how to disciple and how to make disciples. And uh, I'll be doing that lesson, and I uh, look forward to that. And that will wrap our series on uh, following the king on Christian disciplines. Uh, then we'll move into a series on worldviews, so more of a philosophical-type lesson uh, series. And we'll talk about um, nihilism, naturalism, 
uh, Islamic theism and also postmodernism, in addition, of course, to Christianity or Christian theism. So I think you'll really enjoy that. Uh, definitely, definitely a different uh, pace and a style of lesson series. So uh, thanks for listening in. This is a little bit longer podcast, so if you've sustained to the end, I'm impressed. And uh, catch yourself uh, as someone who can listen to a 56-minute podcast. is great. So um, if you're in Memphis, in the Memphis area, we're here in Germantown, but Monday nights at 6.30 at my home, uh, MDDDS, you can find us on Facebook. Come see us. Come uh, spend the night with us. And uh, it's always much better in person. Um, we have some more time after to hang out and talk, and even before, we have dessert and coffee and tea. And we really invite you to come in and spend the night with us. Um, I'll let you go for now. We look forward to having you next week. Hopefully hopefully it's a great week for you, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.